Praise the Lord, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. It's good to feel his presence like we did in that prayer room earlier this evening. Because I'm telling you, God's on the move. All we got to do is let him. I want to welcome all our visitors. Thank you all for coming. I want to welcome my church family. Thank you all for keeping me in your prayers. We all need it. We all need prayer. And uh, I, of course, I got this message way a while back. Brother Stevens, one of our classes, he assigned us a, some scriptures. And Brother Aaron, he's done stomped it out pretty good. Sister Wagner's done run over it twice, I think. And Brother Stevens has done <laughs> hit it a lick or two, and several others have run over it, so I'm going to give you what I got out of it, that, because God's wanting to do something in our midst, and all he wants is us. Uh, we'll turn to John, the second chapter, the first through the eleventh verse, I'm not going to read all of them, I'll, we'll go through the first five of them, and that'll be good. And then the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto thee, Woman, what have I to do with thee? For mine hour is not yet come. And his mother saith unto his servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I'd like to take my little title from that fifth, fifth verse of Scripture there, Just Do It. Right. Just Do It. They had a dilemma in Canaan. There was a marriage. You can be seated. They had a marriage going on, and I'm, I feel like kind of Brother Aaron had spoken before. He said that he probably felt like that was probably some kinfolks to marry or something of that nature, because they were all present. And Jesus was there with his disciples. He had just chosen some of his disciples before he got to Canaan. And they was all that they knew about Jesus was they had declared to one another that he is the Savior. And the only clue that they had was Jesus had told one of them he saw him sitting under a fig tree. And that was the only thing they were going on. They didn't have nothing else to stand on other than he had saw one of them sitting under a fig tree before he even called him. But the dilemma in the wedding, and here, here as we sit and look at what happened, Mary, she knew all about Jesus. She, she, knew, she knew he was more than just a carpenter's son. The, the angel had done spoke to her. God had, had shown her things through Elizabeth. Elizabeth spoke, this is the mother of my Lord and my Savior. You know, so she knew that God was Jesus. But she didn't know how all this stuff was going to transpire. All she knew, and Jesus, he didn't call her mother. He called her woman. Now, I don't know what his perception was in that in that deal there because 
The only time we find him talking about woman is in the book of Genesis when he told Eve what was fixing to happen to her. And if you look and see in Jewish weddings, you could not have a wedding without wine. There was no way you can have a Jewish wedding without wine. They had two special, well, some of them used two cups, some of them used one. But in the wedding, wine, it always symbolized the joy and celebration. And Jewish, Jewish folks believe that it also represents creation. Well, if you'll look in the scriptures as he walked through this message, these scriptures right here, he said Mary told him to do whatever he says to do. Well, she didn't know what he was going to do. She didn't have a clue. She was running on intuition. First intuition. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be God. Nine and nine-tenths times out of ten, it's going to be God. Because the devil then is going to back up and he's going to tell you something that's just the opposite of what God just told you. But yet we will sit and second guess what God told us. But Mary didn't second guess anything. Because she believed in who Jesus was. She just didn't know, didn't know exactly how it was all going to transpire and fall out. All she knew is that Simon the prophet had spoke to her years ago. When he saw Jesus as a baby. He said there's going to be a rise and fall of many people. And the sword is going to pierce your heart. She, didn't, she was torn between not knowing when Jesus started his ministry, when he started his ministry, that it wasn't going to be long and that something was drastic going to happen. She didn't know nothing. All she was running to is something had to be done here at the wedding. So all she knew that he was way more than any carpenter's son. And there's three things I want to kind of bring out here. First off, you have to believe. She believed in who he was. Jesus said he's a rewarder of those that believe in him, you know, that diligently seek after him. And if we'll just believe in God and take what he says for granted, instead of second-guessing everything that he tells us, we're the world's worst at trying to figure it out because we're Pentecostal. We got to figure it out before we get it done. But she didn't have that. She didn't have that luxury. She didn't know about none of this. She didn't know how to figure out what the Holy Ghost is going to do, what song they're going to sing in a service. All she knew is that Jesus was special and something had to happen, and she knew that he could do it. She didn't know how he could do it, but she knew he could do it. So... In her faith and believing, for God is nothing is possible. Nothing is impossible. She was obedient, for obedient is way better than sacrifice. Way better than sacrifice. They wanted wine, and all she knew that there was nobody there that could do anything but maybe Jesus. And she said, well, whatever he says do, we're going to do it. The second thing, Second thing is you have to do, you have to, you have to take action. 
because action always speaks louder than words. We've got a lot of people that will sit on the pew and talk about it. But nobody wants to get out and go do anything. Go ahead, brother. I can get an amen there. But action. She took action. She said, I don't know what's going to happen. Something's going to happen. <laughs> that first intuition that she had that Jesus could do something, she ran with it. She ran with it. She didn't listen to anything else anybody had to say because nobody could say anything because nobody knew what was going to happen. In an effort to do something, she told him to do whatever he says. So the servants, they followed Jesus' orders when he told them, go fill the water pots. But Cal, you know, I read, of course, Pastor, he's been hard on us. He's gave us a little book we had to read. And in one of them little books, there was a little verse in there, a little scripture. That wasn't a scripture. It was just a, some words there. It said, Calvin Coolidge said, we can't do everything once, but we can do something once. So that's, that's the big deal. We just need to do something. We just need to do something. Instead of sitting on our laws and waiting for God to pour people into this place when God's given us a commission and saying, just do it. Just do it. He gave you the power. He said in Acts 1 and 8, He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what He said. You're going to be the witnesses. Didn't say pastor. It said we're going to be the witnesses. So we're going to have to take up the cross and we're going to have to go out there and reach somebody because it's better to die trying than to sit waiting. Look at the four lepers that sat at the gate. They sat at the gate trying to figure out what was going to happen. There was a famine in the, in the city. There's a... Uh, a whole army out there sitting between them and the wall that they're sitting at. They couldn't go nowhere. <laughs> and they finally sat there until they re reasoned with amongst themselves and said, hey, let's just go see what they're going to do. You know? That's what we need to do. We need to go see what our neighbor's doing or what our friends are doing. We need to go see them. You may not be the best witness in the world, but you can make a cake. You can take them some cookies. You can go by and tell them, hey, I'm just praying for you. You don't know how much that means sometimes to have somebody cruise by and say, hey, I'm, I got you back. I'm looking at you. So we just need to do something. Just do something. The third thing I want to speak about right quick is, that, is the follow through. Don't delay your actions. Because they fill those water pots with water to the brim, not doubting, not questioning. They were just servants. So whenever somebody told a servant to do something, they did it. They didn't have a clue what they were doing other than Jesus told them to fill those water pots. Those water pots were where the Jews bring in the creation factor into the marriage. Because they wasn't made of clay pots. It says in your Bible that they were stone pots. Huge stone pots. 
holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. So just the water alone in the pot would weigh 160 to 80 pounds, just depending. All water weighs the same, fresh water. So just the, the water alone would have weighed 175, 80 pounds. Not counting the pot. It's a stone pot. It ain't a clay pot. It ain't going to be light. So I'm sure that they just took some pots and filled them up, filled them up, filled up those water pots not knowing what's going to befall them. Because they know one thing. If they take that governor water up there, he's going to spit it out and have their heads. That's all they know. So, so they're in a, a serious place. They're in a tight spot. But they followed through. They didn't give up. They took, they took what they had and went with it. So that's, that seems to be our biggest problem here lately, is this, we're not doing what God has called us here to do. He said we need to believe, take action, and follow through. When you follow through, you make sure that those people know how much you care about them. Because they're not going to do nothing until they know how much you care. Amen. We can sit beside the road and let Jesus pass by or we can get his attention. I, for, I forgot to tell you in that creation mode, they said the Jews believed that there was everything that was in creation was there at the wedding. They counted it as the earth which Jesus was the Son of Man robed in flesh. They count the water, and they count the six days of creation, those six water pots. So there's a lot that goes on at a Jewish wedding that we don't understand not being Jewish. I did a lot of reading, and it's, it's a whole lot more than a man can absorb. There's all kind of ceremonies. There's all kind of things going on, but Mary did not want them to be embarrassed for some ungodly reason because they were probably kinfolks or something. But if we would just, just do what God has called us to do. He said in uh, Matthew 24 and 46, he said, Blessed is that servant when he is heard and cometh. When he cometh, he shall find so doing. Doing what? Reaching for the lost. That's what Jesus came for. He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. And he said, he gave that commission to us. So if we would just get out and do it, we'll be way better off. If you're having trouble, if you're having trouble in Philippians 3 and 13, you put that up there for me, brother, right quick. Brother, I count not myself to have apprehended this one thing I do. I'm doing one thing. I'm forgetting that this behind me. And I'm pressing for that mark of that higher calling which Christ Jesus has given me. Paul had seen so many miracles it wasn't, it wasn't even fathomable about how he saw and done such great things. But yet, there right before his death, he's saying, hey, I want to do more. I want to do more. I got to reach somebody. And if you look in Philippians 4 and 9, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So if you need peace, get out and do something.
That's all I can tell you. Because God's wanting to raise up a people in this, in this community, in this parish, in this surrounding area. He's waiting on us to just get out and do it. Thank you. Come on, let's stand and thank God for that word. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we bless your name, Jesus. We thank you tonight, Lord. God, we give you the praise. While you're standing, if you will go to Matthew chapter 27. Uh, thank you, Brother Stevenson, for allowing me the opportunity to speak to this church that I love. I believe God has a, another word for us here today, tonight. Matthew chapter 27, in uh, verse 39, read a few there, then we'll skip over to verse 50 of the same chapter. Of course, the setting here is Jesus on the cross. Verse 39 says, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest, buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. They were taunting Jesus. They were mocking the Savior. 41 says, Likewise also the chief priests mocked him, mocking him with the scribes and elders. Said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. Skip to verse 50. Said Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Lord God, we thank you for allowing us another chance to be in your presence. To be back in your presence once more to hear from you, O oh God. We thank you, Jesus. We give you the praise for what you've done for us on Calvary. And we give you the praise for what you're about to do in this service tonight. We thank you, God. Let's give him a hand clap of praise as you're seated. Well, I guess first of all, I don't have as uh, good of a story as Mario Kart, but I do have this blue thing on my thumb, and uh, Jen told me not to hit or smack anything, so I'll do my best, but just, uh, I, I, I had a little farming accident today on the tractor, and it's not as cool as it sounds, believe me, but anyway, about one o'clock today, I was getting five stitches in my hand, and uh I don't really have a whole lot of feeling in this hand, but that's okay. I feel that, uh, that God has something for us here today. And you know, talking about injuries, I've had a lot of them. And there's something about, oh, I get cold chills just talking about it. There's something about the sound of an injury that myself, I'll never forget. Uh, Sister Bethany, oh man, I, I can remember it just as well to this day when you broke your ankle. I'm telling you, it sounded like somebody had 
a baseball bat in each hand and just cracked. Oh, did it not? That's what it sounded like. And then along with these... Uh, Along with this scar here, I have another scar on my wrist from a, from another injury that I had. I was roller skating. I was doing a real cool trick, a turn, at my nephew's eighth birthday party. And he's 18 this year, so that was 10 years ago. And to this day, I will never forget the sound of those skates going out from under me. And my arm hitting the back. It sounded like uh, I like to play with plastic utensils, and I usually mess with them until one of them pops. It sounds like you take a clear plastic knife, not one of them flimsy white ones, but one of them good, hard, rigid, clear ones, and you just crack it. And it's a very distinct sound, and I will never forget the sound of when I broke my wrist, of when Sister Bethany broke her ankle. There's just something about a sound that has the power to take you places. Because there's power in a sound. Sound can take you somewhere. Sound can do something to you. Sound is something that not only affects what you hear, it can affect how you feel. It can affect, it can affect your physical being. It can affect your emotions. One of the very first news stories that I can remember as a kid, 1993, February, probably, I don't know, January the something through February, whenever it all culminated, 60-some-odd days, the, the, the standoff in Waco where David Koresh and the Branch Davidians had holed up in their compound. The ATF had come in trying to, trying to run them out because they had you know illegal weapons or whatever the claims were. Then the FBI come in. And one thing that I remember as a 12-year-old kid, well, I guess I was 11 at the time. It was, wait, 93. Yeah, 11 because I didn't turn 12 till June. But anywho, I remember that, that one of the techniques that the FBI used to drive out the Branch Davidians was sound torture. They played sounds such as uh, pop music, heavy metal music. They played the sounds of, of, of jetliners taking off. They played the just random high-pitched noises and interviews, interviews that they done with those people later said that it was really affecting their minds. It was making them want to surrender. But there was something else on the inside that held on uh, harder and tighter and closer than what those sounds could drive off. And then one, one very odd thing, and it's kind of gruesome, but I remember they say they played the sounds of, of young rabbits being slaughtered. And it was just like this scream, this screaming cry. And they said that it got in their minds and it got in their souls and their hearts and it really affected them physically and emotionally and it almost changed the very way that they thought, the way that they had, had been raised up in this, in this cult. You know, they had such strong beliefs, but because of the power of a sound, it was completely changing their belief system. And I know that, that, that everybody here has that one song or maybe many songs that take you back. It's like when you're flipping through the radio or on 
Spotify or however you choose to receive your music these days, you hear that song and it takes you somewhere and it, and it gets stuck in your head. It's called an, an earworm or something like that. Just songs get stuck in your head and it's so powerful. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that you said you just kind of humming along and like, oh, there's that song, yeah, there it is. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you was just going about your day trying to fix a tractor tire? It's like, man, you know what's stuck in my head right now? Page 248 of that book I just read. I can't get it out of my mind. No, that don't happen. Paragraphs don't get stuck in your head. Songs get stuck in your head. That's the power of a sound. And sound has these certain properties. And one of the ones I want to talk about tonight and draw my title from is the property of an echo. And I want to talk just real quick, and I believe God's got something for us here tonight. There's a euphemism that goes when you hear something or, or something brings up a memory, you say it's an echo from the past. Well, I want to talk to us about an echo of the future, an echo of your future an echo of the future of this church. You see, the property of an echo, the property of sound that is an echo, sound travels. And it travels indefinitely and infinitely until it's acted upon by another source. That source could be the, the, the denseness of an atmosphere. That source could be a wall. That source could be a a, a mountain in the far distance or a tree or anything the sound travels in waves it goes through the atmosphere it hits off of something and then it comes back that's what these panels are in here they're sound panels they absorb sound so that when the sound goes out it's porous and it absorbs it it don't echo back it don't reverberate but every sound in the world Echoes, well, except one. Did y'all know that a pigeon's coo, the coo of a pigeon don't echo? It don't, because a coo sticks. But when sound goes forth, it disturbs the atmosphere. And it creates ripples and it creates waves and it does something to you. It can change the way you feel. It can change the way you think. It can change the way you act. It changes the atmosphere. There's something about a sound and when we go back to our scripture text, I can imagine being in that place on the hill of Calvary, the sounds that were being heard that day. Come on, when our Savior was being hung on that cross, the sound of the cries of the crowd saying, no, let him go. Or the other side saying, no, crucify him. The sound of the hammer blow flying through the air, striking the nail, the ping of the nail, echoing, rippling through the crowd, rippling through the atmosphere, the sound that would ultimately be the sound of our salvation. But at the time, it was the sound of sadness to the followers of Jesus. It was the sound of defeat to the disciples because their Savior was hanging on a cross dying. It was the sound of defeat to His followers because no longer would they hear His voice. 
and partake of the miracles that come from his hands. Come on, I can imagine the sound of failure, the sound of no future, the sound of nothingness, ultimately the sound of defeat echoing through the hearts and the minds of the followers of Jesus. Oh, but somewhere across town, I don't know where, I probably should have studied up on it, but somewhere across town as this mob scene was taking place, the screams of agony, the cheers of victory, the clash of the hammer, the striking of the blows, the tearing of flesh somewhere across town in a quiet temple. There was a priest tending to his daily duties in the temple. Yes, he knew it was taking place at Calvary, but he had a job to do. It was his job to take care of the temple, of the, of the inner workings. And just go with me if you will. Maybe he was polishing a candlestick or dusting the table of showbread or whatever it may be. All of a sudden out of the back, the room that separates him from the holy of holies, he hears the unmistakable sound The unmistakable sound of a fabric tearing. As it says in verse 50, 51, Jesus cried and yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. And I believe as he heard that veil tear, as that priest heard the tearing of that fabric, the words of Jesus, those mocking words that were spoken just a few hours earlier, the words of Jesus when he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. You see, the temple itself was not destroyed. The temple still stood. The veil still hung, but the veil was rent. The purpose of the temple had been destroyed. Come on, because after that veil was rent, after Jesus cried and yielded up the ghost, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our, our infirmities, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Boldly let us come before, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may attain mercy and find grace in the help in the time of need. No longer do we have to depend on a priest to take our sins to him. No longer do we have to depend on that temple of that priest going beyond that veil. That veil was rent. That veil was torn. We can boldly go before the throne room of grace tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Okay, I'm wrapping up quick. Let's all stand. Every sound besides a pigeon coo echoes. When an echo goes forth, 
It goes forth strong and it comes back weaker. The further it travels, the weaker it gets. Every sound, every sound, the further it goes, the dimmer, the quieter it gets because it's being affected by the things of an atmosphere. But you see this sound of this veil rending, the sound of that tearing of fabric. Come on, it didn't quieten down as it moved through the atmosphere. It got louder and it got bolder and it got, oh, it, it sounded like when Jesus died, it said there were earthquakes and there were thunderings. That was the echo of that veil being rent. It was affecting the atmosphere and that echo of that veil tearing is the echo of your future. It's the echo of my future. It's still reverberating today. The quiet tearing of that veil echoes through space, echoes through time from 2,000 years ago to right here to us tonight. Oh, and what does it sound like? What does that echo sound like? What does the tearing of that veil sound like today? Well, let me tell you what it sounds like. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came what? A sound. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire. And they began to speak with other tongues at the the Spirit gave them utterance. And today that same sound still echoes as we come into this house. No, it don't sound like a rushing mighty wind, but the daring of that veil sounds like the worship, sounds like the cries of the people here tonight. Come on, when you raise your voice, when you lift your voice in worship, when you lift your voice in praise, you do something to the atmosphere. You change your atmosphere. You change your problems. When you raise your voice, so this is it we're going to come up here and pray and when we do yeah, I know there's times for quiet prayers but there's times to raise your voice and get loud there's times to get loud I'm telling you there's times to get loud when you need something the Bible said 52 times cried with a loud voice because crying with a loud voice works So here it is. If you're in this house tonight, the devil has tried to silence some voices in this house. The devil has tried to quieten somebody's voice. The devil has tried to silence somebody's song because they know when your voice is raised and your song goes forth that the angels hear it in heaven and the demons hear it in hell and you're a powerful force when you can raise your voice. So the enemy tonight has tried to silence your voice. I'm telling you, his hands are wrapped around your throat, cutting off off your vocal cords right now but I'm telling you if you come to this altar tonight hear me in the Holy Ghost you hear me in the Holy Ghost if you come to this altar tonight with a loud voice God will restore your song God will restore your praise God will restore your voice oh hallelujah